Please pray with me. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your word this day. We look for ways that we can hear you anew, and we invite you to um, make your Holy Spirit known to us, and that through your presence, we would take away something from this text and grow in a way that would help us to follow and serve you evermore. Amen. I know that many of you are bakers, especially cookie bakers and good ones at that. And while I love cooking, I've never been much of a baker. And as a result, some of the nuances of baking and working with baked goods are new to me as I learn them. Several years ago, I was working with a group of people on a reception at my home church. We had dozens of people making dozens of cookies, not unfamiliar in a church setting, right? Not unlike our own cookie walk or receptions here at PCWS. And the people were bringing their cookies to the church the day before the reception. In my attempt to be efficient with our time the following day when we would have the receptions, I was trying to convince the other volunteers to prepare the cookie trays the day before, to create the beautiful mosaics of various cookies that I knew they would create and then wrap them up and voila, we would have easier work the next day. I've never seen such disturbed looks on the faces of people I knew and loved. There was this look of disapproval and also shock and confusion. Finally, one of them piped up in her gentle but don't mess with me Southern accent. Oh, honey, we can't do that. They proceeded to explain to me something that I've, I've since learned most bakers already know well. You've got to store different types of cookies separately. If you don't, the soft cookies will make the crisp cookies soft and the soft cookies will dry out and both will absorb the stronger flavors of the other. I learned some other tricks that day like placing a piece of bread in with the cookies to keep them either crisp or soft. It's fascinating, right? I also learned to not get in the way of bakers and their cookies. And once again, I also learned that I had much to learn. Now, while we apparently all now know that we should separate the soft and the crisp cookies, I do wonder whether we can learn something from the cookies and how they interact with one another. It seems that people aren't all that different from cookies. When people spend their time with one another, they're changed and influenced by those other people. They take on some of the characteristics, and sometimes those are good, and sometimes they're not as good. Think about how people will say things like their children are hanging out with a bad crowd, or more positively, I'll hear some of you talk about how your children spend time with such good friends who are really good people and bring out the good in one another. And it becomes worth mentioning precisely because there's some way to measure or even know how we'll act and be by looking at the people around whom we gather. I've seen this throughout my life. I, I saw this in law firms too. I remember when I was in law school and I was first interviewing with law firms, we would have these interviews that were held on campus. They were 30 minutes long. And I could usually tell in those 30 minutes, or really in the first 10 of those 30, 
whether a law firm would be the kind of people with whom I would want to associate. In fact, I struggled a lot with this because I kept ruling out law firms very quickly. One day, finally, I found myself pleasantly surprised after an interview, and I said to myself, I'd like to be a lawyer like this man. That became my measure, and I ultimately joined that law firm after meeting more people at the firm and coming to that same conclusion. The cookies take on the flavor of one another. Now, unlike a meringue or a lemon bar, you and I have choices about the proverbial tray upon which we are placed. Unlike an unwitting sugar cookie trapped with a ginger snap, you can discern and understand how you will be influenced and even what flavors you might take on. I will say though that quite often in society, and especially with the pervasiveness of social media and other online influences, it can be more and more difficult though to understand how we might be shaped even when we don't know it. We've seen this when some of you have reached out to me sharing confusion about how a loved one could have gotten wrapped up in the disinformation campaign of manipulative cults like QAnon or distortions of Christianity that drip of hatred thinly veiled behind artificial threats, non-existent threats against freedom, the police, or any number of low-hanging fruits that seek to appeal to our sensibilities and definitely stoke our fears. We take on these characteristics of the cookies even when we may not realize it. And then we become the carrier. We share a post that seems innocent but turns out to be racist or false. Our delicate sugar cookie takes on the hue of the spicy ginger. We ignore when someone else posts something false on social media and our crisp cookie softens a little. If you haven't seen the docudrama called The Social Dilemma, I commend it to you. It's a disturbing film for sure, but it helps to better understand the ways that we're all being influenced when we don't even know it. Watching a film like this is one way that we can prepare ourselves to better understand the cookies with which we're being plated. But it's just one piece. Really, this is about awareness and choice. It's about discerning and being aware of our surroundings and how we're being influenced and how we're influencing the world around us and choosing our cookies. Jesus understood this so well. I want to focus on one part of this text that Tom read for us this morning. As he said, this is a very familiar passage from Mark's gospel, where Jesus is calling the first disciples. Mark's gospel is extremely matter-of-fact, and this story is quick, and there isn't a great deal of detail in this account. We have Jesus seeing two groups of fishermen, and then he invites them to follow him. One of Mark's recurring themes in his gospel is the immediacy of the next actions, and it says immediately they left their nets and followed him. But when Jesus invites them to follow, it's a little bit more of a direction. The, the translation I prefer is, come after me, come after me. Follow me works, and it certainly conveys the sense of the text. But the directive from Jesus to come makes a lot of sense when we look at what he says next. 
Come, he says, and I will turn you into those who fish for humans. There's, there's a transformation in that. I will turn you into. There's this transformation that Jesus says will happen. It's, it's one part promise, but it's also one part disclosure or warning. Listen, listen, coming after me, following me, it's going to change you, he's saying. This, this idea here is not radical in and of itself. Like I said, the people with whom we keep company absolutely have an influence on us and on how we act and on, on what we do. But the radical nature of this disclosure is that the disclosure from Jesus is that when we heed the direction of Jesus to go where Jesus goes, to listen to his invitation or command or direction to come, when we go, the disclosure from Jesus is that not only will we not be the same, not only will we be transformed into ones who fish for humans, but in that act of fishing for humans, we become the ones who come after, the ones who continue. We become the, the successors of Christ's radical missions of love on earth and the agents of further transformation of others. It's amazing to me that among the first acts of the recorded adult life of Jesus, after he's baptized and spends some time alone, he then, before he begins his ministry, brings others along with him. One of his first acts is to share the work with others and to invite them into a partnership where God's work in the world will be their work, our work. Following Christ, it, it isn't just contagious, it's transforming. We take on Christ's fragrance. We know God more closely and more deeply. And having experienced the continued transformation that can only come from God, we invite others to be a part of God's story. St. Teresa of Calcutta, we, we know her as Mother Teresa, is said to have regularly, daily, prayed a prayer with her Sisters of Charity that was inspired by the words written by John Henry Cardinal Newman. This prayer reads in part, Dear Jesus, help us to spread your fragrance everywhere we go. Flood our souls with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess our whole being so utterly that our lives may only be a radiance of yours. Shine through us and be so in us that every person we should come in contact with may feel your presence in our soul. Let them look up and see no longer us, but only Jesus. The disciples, like Mother Teresa and like you and me, when we listen to the one who says, come, come after me, the one who beckons us, the one who says that we will be changed, we will be transformed, we will be turned into something new, something new. When we listen, when we walk alongside Christ and surround ourselves with others who are seeking the same. When we do all of this, God becomes revealed to us in new ways. 
like those first disciples standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, surprised by this one who made such strange promises to them. Promises most of all, promises most of all, that they can be a part of something greater than their own understanding. That we, that you can be a part of something greater. Mother Teresa's fragrance prayer continues. Stay with us and then we shall begin to shine as you shine. So to shine as to be a light to others. The light, Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be ours. It will be you shining on others through us. Let us thus praise you in the way you love best by shining on those around us. Let us preach you without preaching, not by words, but by our example, by the catching force, the sympathetic influence of what we do, the evident fullness of the love our hearts bear for you. Jesus is calling us still today. And each day we are confronted with a world that is in need of Christ's transformation. And each day we too need to return to the one who invites us to follow, inviting us to come after him, inviting us to go where he goes and to take on God's fragrance, shining as God shines, loving as God loves. This is what we do. This is what we're invited to do and be a part of. This is what we do, friends, when we gather with one another, when we gather for things that look like they're just for fun, perhaps, or for fellowship. We surround ourselves with others who are on this journey, who are on this path of following Jesus. And maybe, maybe then we might continue to take on the characteristics of God in our lives. I think this is part of why we miss one another so much. And I know that we miss each other gathering regularly in person. And, and I, I come back to that question often, what do we miss about it? And we can name very specific things that we miss. We absolutely can. But what comes down to it, what it comes down to, is that what we're really missing is the fellowship that comes through the Holy Spirit binding us together. The good news is that we have found ways to do that, and we continue to find ways to do that. But the even better news is that we will be back together, and we will be with one another, and we'll be ever more reminded, ever more reminded, that in the community and in our community as we gather, we draw nearer to Christ because of each other. Friends, that prayer of Mother Teresa's, let us think about how we are bringing God's fragrance into the world and let that be our prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.